Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Afternoon Pancakes. My name is Jared. I am here with my co-host, Stephen Reed. Sir, how are you today? I'm doing well today. How are you doing today, my dear friend? Hey, it's just another beautiful day. We're all just lucky to be here, right? So I wanted to ask you up front, brother, after watching week one of the preseason, how do you feel about the Bills' short-term future? Well, I think the Bills, um, you know, after seeing that preseason game and getting to watch at least their starters for about a quarter, mm-hmm. uh, their defense is le- seems legit. Uh, and that's kind of what we said going in and what we talked about last week is how good that defense could be. And yeah. the addition of Ed Oliver and being able to kind of blow up plays in the backfield by splitting, uh, getting that penetration and really kind of getting into the quarterback's face. And so I think from a defensive standpoint, they look like they're they could again be one of the top defenses in the league. Mm -hmm. And the other part is the offense. I don't know because they don't have, they've got some strong running backs uh, that are a little older, Mm -hmm. but they're significantly lacking at the wide receiver and tight end position. So they're, they're going to go as far as um, Josh Allen can, can really take them. And uh, they could be, they could be pretty solid for the next couple of years if he develops. Mm -hmm. And if the wide receivers develop, um, that you know they they could be right in that you know that that middle of the pack range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's entirely possible to say like, hey, if Tom Brady were to become mortal and decide to retire, it's not out of the realm of possibility they could make the playoffs in the next year, two, three. Like that's not out of the realm of possibility, right? Right, and especially in the AFC East. Um, right. If you're telling me in say the AFC South, AFC North, or AFC West, and I would say there's about no chance in that because you've got dominant teams at the top of each of those divisions Um, but in the AFC East if for whatever reason Tom Brady ends up retiring and you know becomes mortal within the next two years that that AFC East is is really up for grabs okay and then so with with that said a lot of respect due to Sean McDermott and and the Buffalo Bills organization team looks like it'll go about as far as that offense can carry him and that defense is solid enough that should you know should the tide you know favor them you you never know and then let's look ahead to this week's preseason opponent a John Dorsey led Cleveland Browns team hey Mr. Reed how do you feel about the Cleveland Browns in the short term future I think the Browns have a really positive outlook for at least the short-term future. Uh, they've got a lot of young players that are really solid and, and young contributors. 
that are on their rookie deal. So they're cheap right now. And I'll say in, in probably three or four years, they're going to be kind of in a, a similar situation to what the Kansas City Chiefs were when, when John Dorsey was out there and that they're going to have some salary cap issues and they're going to have to make some cuts here and there that maybe they, they wouldn't make otherwise. Um, but for the short term, I think this team is probably going to, the, the Cleveland Browns are going to compete for the AFC North and definitely for at least a wild card in the AFC. Okay. And I agree on, on both fronts for the record that, you know, we kind of, we've kind of talked about the Bills schedule this year looks a little rough for them. It's probably a seven, nine, eight, eight team at best, but you don't know what the future holds. So that's, that's not awful. And then when it comes to the Browns, uh, we'd kind of talked about their schedule and said, Hey, they could win nine, 10 games. They could go so far as to, Hey, they could win their division. However, they could also be like a wild card team. It's not out of the realm of possibility to say, hey, the, the Indianapolis Colts, who we see as a, a perennial playoff contender so long as Andrew Luck is healthy, caveat. And then the Cleveland Browns could very well be a stalwart in their division in the short-term future, right? So yeah, wanna- Absolutely. I wanted to talk today about the value of information and about the value of information security. So uh, sparing details, when I was in the Marine Corps infantry getting ready to go uh, on a boat ride, I sat in a class and was told about not posting video and not posting pictures about where we are, who we're with, when we're on our boat ride. Yeah, basically just trying to keep information to yourself, right? Yeah, things that don't need to be public don't need to be public. It's fair. And then it just so happens that the Indianapolis Colts have employed a Green Beret, and I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say, I bet that a Green Beret has sat through a similar meeting where they got told about the value of information. Is that fair? That's probably a safe bet. So then let me ask you this. You and I are, you know, you can be Chris Ballard or John Dorsey, and I'll be Chris Ballard or John Dorsey, as long as we don't pick the same person. So I'll be John Dorsey, let you be Chris Ballard. 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 Yeah, yes. You can be Chris Ballard. Nailed it. You and I are really good friends, and we are the general managers of two high-profile, mid-market, though, NFL franchises and uh, during this past draft when you were on the clock and running out of time I called you and you picked up the phone and said I'm working and hung up on me and left right yeah and there's a good chance there's a good chance we see each other in the playoffs in the next year or two is that fair yeah we both got great rosters you know I, I think we've got both a great young core seems like that that would be something that will happen Okay, so if we are considering the value of information and you and I agree, apparent, I think it was, a, was it a GM agreement that we would have a shared practice for a week? We'd, we'd practice uh, against each other for a week leading up to our preseason game. Um, if Yeah, I, I believe so. It's a GM agreement, a team agreement. Uh, yes. that it's not mandated by the NFL, if that's what you're asking. Okay, so... 
One of the things that we saw in week one of the preseason was the Cleveland Browns starters using a no-huddle offense and running actual plays out of their playbook, right? It, it yeah, appeared, that it appeared so. Uh, that, uh, yeah, they, they, they started off with no-huddle, hurry-up offense. They were running plays out of the playbook. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting call to start week one of the preseason to put that out there on film. Yeah, and then in terms of the Indianapolis Colts, because this is a Colts podcast, right? Week one of the preseason, we saw a vanilla offense. The Indianapolis Colts offense was missing seven starters, including Andrew Luck. And I would argue that there is not a shred, not a single bit of relevant information that John Dorsey, I, got out of that first week of preseason on the Indianapolis Colts. You think that's fair? I think that's fair, and I think that's by design. Yeah, I, I think we ran a, a really – the Colts ran a, a really vanilla offense to start, uh, just, you know, run downs for the first couple mm-hmm. couple plays. Uh, once it got the third down, drop back to pass. Yeah. And uh wasn't anything special. It was all pretty pretty vanilla. Okay. And then now that they're practicing against each other this week, I don't even care if Andrew Luck's hurt or not. Would you put him out there in a red jersey and run your offense against that Cleveland defense and let there be an iota of a chance that Miles Garrett runs into Andrew Luck one time? I 100% would not. Uh, there's zero chance I would do that if, if given the opportunity uh, or, or say if he wasn't 100% healthy then I am definitely not putting him out there to potentially get accidentally rolled up on. Yep. So now let's talk about reality because what we just talked about is a lot of a lot of presupposition, a lot of assuming, a lot of guessing. Andrew a lot Luck, of conjecture, yeah. Andrew Luck's a little dinged up. Got a, got what could be anywhere from he's going to get his leg amputated to, hey, he might have overtrained and strained his calf and in rehab possibly sprained his ankle. Uh, and it's not out of the realm of possibility. He's got uh, what amounts to a bone spur as a result of that, what appears to be like possible like overtraining on top of the idea that we don't, I don't want him out of my practice facility on a practice field with John Dorsey's eagle eyes watching Andrew Luck's development and rapport and all the reports that we've seen suggest Andrew Luck is, and I'm using air quotes, throwing the hell out of the football. I'm also willing to bet he's getting reps in with his receivers and tight ends and running backs indoors on turf because they play most of their games indoors. And that I'm not really worried about Andrew Luck's health. I'm more concerned about the value of information. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair to a point. To go off what you said, um, first off, I want to clarify to everybody, his leg's not getting amputated. Please calm down. Um, But (laughs) uh, going off of that – He's probably getting more reps behind the scenes with wide receivers and tight ends going through walkthroughs 
um, which is what has been reported. That's exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. And he's quote unquote, like you said, throwing that, throwing the hell out of the football, whatever the line was. I guess I shouldn't have said quote unquote, but paraphrasing, yeah. throwing the hell out of football uh, behind the scenes. He's probably getting more reps that way than what he ever would in practice. And so, yeah, it's nice to have that live, live game action. But the fact is he's getting reps. And, you know, I, I'd be more more concerned about keeping my information quiet than necessarily putting them out there when he doesn't necessarily need to be. Okay. Now that we've kind of established that, hey, it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Colts made an executive decision that regardless of the, and I, I would argue that Jim say Frank Wright, Chris Ballard could be being called out by John Dorsey and the Browns for not telling us what's wrong with Andrew Luck. And kind of, if you think about Jim say saying, oh, he's got a bone issue. Chris Ballard says he's got a calf strain. And then we hear he's got an ankle sprain. That, that appears to me to be misinformation meant to misdirect, misinform, kind of muddy the progress that he's making and make it so teams have to think about planning to see a backup quarterback start the season for the end for the Indianapolis Colts this year, whether it's Jacoby Brissett or Chad Kelly, and I'd argue I'd take Kelly over Brissett at this point. I think you're you're right to a point. I wouldn't say it's necessarily intentional, but it is intentional. But I wouldn't say it's necessarily misinformation because they've been throughout this process. They've been pretty transparent as to where the issue is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back back in March, they they had a calf strain. You know, he started OTAs and they said he had a little little tweak in the calf, mm-hmm. um, and so they wanted to keep him out. He started into the uh, training camp process and started to go through OTAs. He still was trying to get everything right and then went to training camp and started practicing for a couple of days, realized there was some soreness that was maybe down in the ankle. And at that point you heard luck say ankle mm-hmm. and you heard the Colts say lower leg rather than just calf. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, the owner Jim Ursay really kind of threw a wrench in everything because he started, um, talking the other night about the possibility of a, a bone a bone chip being formed within the muscle or he he said it was a small bone issue mm-hmm. uh, on Sirius XM NFL radio uh, back I think on Monday night mm-hmm. which caused obviously the crazy amount of, of Colts fans yesterday and in, in the NFL yesterday to say wait a minute what's he talking about this is the first time we've heard about a small bone issue right. they've since determined that that's not the issue mm-hmm. and have tried to locate the issue um, with him. And they think they've got it now figured out that it's the front of, of his ankle. And I think, I think to a point you're right. Like they are being, I think they're being overly cautious and sure. overly conservative with luck to make sure that he's right. Partly because they don't want to put him out there to, to potentially get injured in the preseason, like, for example, somebody gets rolls up on him accidentally, um, but also just to try to give him time to heal. And, and if he can get back to 100 percent, great. Otherwise, I'm not sure that 
he'd be if, if he's not 100 percent, i wouldn't put him out there yeah. um you know and it's just yeah so let me ask you this do you believe a word that's being said given that on Sirius XM, Jim Ursay referenced Ryan Deem and Raheem Brock specifically, and I did about as much as research as a human being could actually be expected to do on the topic, and I couldn't find a lower leg injury that happened to either Deem or Brock. I saw MCL tear, back injury, hand injury. I didn't see a bone spur developing in either of those players' calves or an ankle injury. But I did see a knee injury. I did see a back injury and a hand injury. That, again, feels a lot like Jim Ursay is a bull in a china shop. Just just trying to distort just how healthy is Andrew Luck. Because there's value in misinformation. You are forcing the Chargers, for example to have to consider game planning for Jacoby Brissett. They have to be. At this point, they don't have any tape on Andrew Luck, save for the the practice highlights that are in shorts and shoulder pads, where Luck appears to have a pretty decent rapport with his skill players, right? Yeah, I'll say this about um, the Ryan Deem and Raheem Brock issue. Uh, it it looked like IndyStar.com went and did some research and talked to Ryan Deem and about the, a small bone issue. And Ryan Deem said that what the issue was, was called, um, Oh, os trigonorum, I think is the name of it. Um, but it's a small bone that is, uh, dislodged in the ankle and that causes some pain and soreness. Now, Ryan Deem said it, his was able to clear itself up. Mm-hmm. Um, in four to six weeks uh, without any surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what it said. I didn't read the entire entire Indy Star article, yeah. um, but that's what I was told happened. Um, so, and the interesting thing with that is it's present in like five to 15% of the population. And usually it's one of those things that you don't realize it's there until you do an MRI or an X-ray. And then all of a sudden it pops up and they're, the doctor's saying, well, what's this? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't understand. So I don't necessarily think that Jim Irsay was was trying to intentionally be misleading. I just think that sometimes he says more than what Chris Ballard and Frank Reich and Andrew Luck would like him to yeah. um, because he gets excited. He gets excited about his team and, and the potential of the team going forward. And so I would just be cautious into saying that it it is an intentional um, misinterpretation. Now, I do think that that you're right to the point that this is now causing some um, hesitancy with the Chargers in, to, in terms of who they they try to game plan for uh, in, in week one. Do they game plan for Jacoby Brissett, who last saw action in a, in a game in 2017, or do they game plan for Andrew Luck? And it, it puts some uncertainty in terms of the defense because those are two very, very different quarterbacks in terms of how they play. So... <clears throat> One of the things I wanted to bring up is that, is it fair to say that our number one overall draft pick quarterback missed an entire season of football and that it is not overly cautious at all to hold him out of the preseason, especially given 
how the Colts treated Peyton Manning, who I think won all of three preseason games in his entire career. I might be right on about that. Like Peyton didn't play in the preseason either. And we know now that, I mean, we can argue about it, but brother Peyton Manning played injured quite a bit of his career. Andrew Luck's been injured quite, quite often in his broken rib, uh, AC sprain, uh, a lacerated kidney at one point, a lacerated kidney. Now he's got a calf strain instead of playing hurt. There's probably a fair amount of caution out of the organization right now in saying, I'm not putting Andrew Luck. First of all, I'm not putting Andrew Luck out in a practice situation against the team I think I can see in the playoffs. Fair? Yeah, I mean, to a point, yeah. Much less much less a preseason game. Yeah, I think you'd be more concerned putting him out in practice just because of the number of reps yep. that he'd see against their starting starting defense yep. uh, versus in you know the preseason game and the, the Colts have been pretty clear on this, that the preseason for them is not about the outcome of the game, but about analyzing and making determinations on indi- individual players. Mm-hmm. And so you already have your determination on Andrew Luck. You already know what you've got with him. And right. so it's better for them to put out, you know, Jacoby Brissett, Chad Kelly to, to try to get an idea of what they've got with those players. And for, you know, my conspiracy theorist, part of it is saying that they're trying to put up Jacoby Brissett to try to get him some exposure to Mm -hmm. drive up his trade value Um, because I uh, still think that they're probably going to end up moving him Um, but you know it might not be for the round two pick that we had thought you know last year uh, that they might be able to get for him at the trade deadline I think that you're probably looking at, at at best probably you know a late round two or a round three to a team that is already established and has a potential to make the Super Bowl but their starting quarterback got hurt. Yeah. And so let's move on from talking about the Andrew Luck situation, the the actual big story, right? The big story, Andrew Luck still not uh, practicing fully. And again, we can kind of argue about how injured is he, uh, how much value is there in information, and hey, are we being cautious or overcautious? Well, I don't know. If my number one overall draft pick quarterback that – the floor for Andrew Luck is eight and eight in his career. That's the floor. I don't think we've seen his ceiling, and his average is 10 wins. So if I have a number one overall quarterback under the age of 30 that has been to the playoffs, I believe, is it four of – Four of six seasons he's played, or five of, I think it's four of six, right? First three years and then last so. year. First three years and then last year, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not cautious for holding him out for anything. Fair? That's not cautious. That's smart. I don't want him out there. I don't want John Dorsey to see what we've got. I don't want to run my offense and let John Dorsey pick it apart because he's a pretty smart guy. So let's move on. Let's talk about, hey, last week, brother, we had 
in my opinion, I, I didn't watch the game with the same level of fervor I will a, a regular season game, but I was really excited to get to watch a young defense come together, watch, you know, the again, we got, remember, from the offensive side of the football, seven starters were out. You can kind of basically throw away what you saw with the exception of the play of guys like Deion Kane, Sean Hogan, uh, Reese Fountain, uh, even Devin Funches got in there and tore it up a little bit. And then talk about the defense, right? So start wherever you'd like, but talk to me about what you see week one that got you kind of gassed up. Well, it's something that I actually brought up last week on the pro- podcast before the, the game is I was really excited to see the development of Reese Fountain. Mm-hmm. Um, because I thought going into last week that he had all the potential. He you know, worked really hard this off season and was trying to put it together. And it, for the first you know week or so of training camp, it really hadn't clicked yet. And then by the time we recorded the podcast, you had had you know, reporters saying he's had a good day. Um, you know, this is the second second good day now that he's strung it together. He had a great game um, against the Bills, and then has consistently since then been a, a high praised wide receiver there uh, for the Colts. It's going to make that decision a lot more difficult than what, what people had thought before. And so I think that was my biggest, that was what I was most excited about. And again, as we talked about before, I was a, you know, I, that was my position. You know, I, I of course look to the wide receiver and am slightly biased towards it. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I was I was kind of excited for um, was the play of um, Kyrie Willis in the last game. I thought that he played really, really well. He, he seemed to be all around the ball and, and able to make plays and, and get in there and, and just do really do such a good job being a part of it and really showing that he deserves to be there. And same thing with Quincy Wilson. Um, I thought he had made, he had had an excellent game as well, uh, mm. the way that he played, and I think that he's really putting himself on. I thought he was a lock to make the roster before, uh, mm. but I think that he is definitely solidified himself there now. So let me ask you. I have two players I want to ask you about. The first one is USC rookie Marvell Tell. Yeah, I thought Marvell Tell had a, a quality game, mm-hmm. um, and he's really started to become more comfortable with that transition to corner mm-hmm. uh, here in the past week or so uh, from everything we're hearing from Colts camp. And it's one of those things where he's really kind of coming into his own, which I think is good, good for him because it also gives the Colts some uh, ability to keep him on that roster uh, the one thing I was surprised about was um, Jalen Collins, and not in a good way. I was surprised right. that that he is he has kind of fallen off in in recent weeks, given that he was really really pumped up going into training camp about how hard he's worked and, and the the talent that's there and everything like that. I you know, every once in a while, you know, we we do get things wrong, and Jalen yes. Collins was one of my guys that I thought would make the roster, but. Now with the emergence of, of Marvell Tell and Quincy Wilson really playing much, much better, I don't think there's really any way that Collins makes the roster 
uh, I think he's more likely him along with with Nate Hairston to potentially get traded. Yeah, and one of the things that I brought up in our uh, Slack chat is our friend Jalen Collins is rather small given our cornerback room. Right, he's got the shortest arms. Uh, he's second second smallest in stature, six foot, and I believe. 190 pounds, and then we've got another corner that's 5'10", 180, right? And I think mean, that's Hairston, right? It's not, mm-hmm. not the biggest guys. And then when you watch the plays that Jalen Collins has given up in practice, he's just getting balls thrown over his head, and guys are making plays over the top of him. And then you watch him play in the game last week, and you're kind of like, well, kind of seems run-of-the-mill. That's... Not really what we want to see out of a guy we thought was going to make the roster. Now we're saying he could very well get cut or traded. And then I have to ask you a legitimate question. Carol Phillips isn't going to make this team, is he? I don't know. Um, Honestly, this is one of those roster construction questions that really kind of harkens back to the health of Andrew Luck. Mm -hmm. Because if Andrew Luck is healthy the Colts keep two quarterbacks. Right. And it's not a question. So that opens up roster spots somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I think, as I said, I think I said on Twitter, um, Carol Phillips was my last, last guy, one of my last handful of guys on the roster, last couple guys on the roster, yeah. because I think that he provides the pass rush and he's, he's still young and he's got some quality talent, but the fact that they'll need to keep Jabal Sheard on the roster and then move him to IR if that's the plan, mm. they're going to have to make a cut someplace else. And I don't think they want to subject Carol Phillips to to waivers. And so I think that they might, if they do keep Phillips on the roster, it'll be because they intend to put Jabal Sheard on IR mm. and designate and potentially bring him back later on in the year, which means they'll probably either keep six or five linebackers or eight offensive linemen and they make that cut from someplace else in the roster and so i think he's got a shot but that would be the realistically the andrew luck situation looms over ahead of it uh, because if they have to keep a third quarterback because luck's not necessarily healthy that means they've got to cut a position elsewhere and that would probably be phillips so let me ask you this, given the quarterback play that you saw this week. Is it fair to say I have no problem letting Jacoby Brissett go for any nominal trade value and that Chad Kelly played well enough and his skill set reminds you of Andrew Luck enough and that meaning he has a good arm, a live arm, and he's also mobile. Is it fair to say Chad Kelly could be the keep, and I think the Colts could cut. I mean, not like they didn't do that and re-sign him every week, Philip Walker, but you could probably let Jacoby walk and keep Chad Kelly, and let's just presume Andrew Luck's healthy in terms of this roster, and then let's talk about let's talk about that wide receiver room, your your bread and butter, brother. Well, hold on, let's let's. I don't think there's any way the Colts let Jacoby Brissett walk. Um, I think oh, oh, trade him, trade him. Yeah, trade him. I was gonna say I was like, let me clarify this real quick. They're not letting him just walk for free. Um, they, right. I, 
my my thoughts on the quarterback position is if luck is healthy, they will at some point trade Jacoby Brissett during the year and bring Chad Kelly up to be the long-term backup. Yep. Kelly's on that, that rookie undrafted free agent uh, deal to where he's really cheap to keep around. He's a quality backup. He, like mm-hmm. you said, he's got a live arm. He's mobile. And he make, for example, uh, during the game, it got reported that the Colts had a bunch of design quarterback runs uh, to get the quarterbacks out, get them moving, you know, everything like that. Chad Kelly, as we know, scored a long touchdown run. Yep. However, that was not the play call uh, on that. It was not a design quarterback run. Kelly had taken it. And this is all from Frank Reich. Is Kelly took that on his own, saw something, and went with it. And it was one of those situations that, that Frank Reich described as, you know, when you go against your head coach and what the play call is, you better be right. And that time he was. Right. And so I think that, that Kelly's got a good head on his shoulders. It, well, let me rephrase that <laughs> because he clearly does not off yeah. the field. Uh, on the field, he makes some good plays and, and he knows what he wants to do. Uh, I'd say that as a long-term backup, Chad Kelly makes a lot, a lot of sense because he's cheaper and he's, you know, a quality player. Uh, and I think that they might try to move Jacoby Brissett either at the end of the preseason or into the season once Andrew Luck is, is healthy. So then I guess the big ask out of this week is, man, it would be really nice if Jacoby Brissett came out and had a really good oh, week. It right? would be fantastic. It, that like, would be it, really nice. Like, hey, uh, go Jacoby, baby. Cleveland. Like, I really want him to open up the offense a little bit. Just to, a to touch, highlight his man. skills. Yeah. Because, like, after last week, I, I watched the game and I was like, well, so his trade value kind of dropped right there because yeah. that was not a good performance by him. He held the ball too long. He he made the wrong reads and stepping up in the pocket. He eyed his wide receivers. Yeah. It's he needed he really needed to play a lot better. Now, they might have just been calling one or two read options. Yeah. You know, just to to give him, you know, vanilla basic concepts for that first game, get everybody back into to live action. Uh, but yeah, I, I look at that and I go, all right, this is, this is questionable. And with the quarterback position, regardless, I still think that the Colts are only going to keep two to start. I think luck's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, just because they've said in the past, if this were a real game, luck would be out there. Yeah. And I think that they are just right now trying to keep him out because he's got, you know, he's a little dinged up. So they're trying to make sure he's fully healthy. But at the same time, I don't think they are. I don't think that his injury right now is something that keeps him out. You can stabilize that ankle, yeah. Um, and you can shoot it up with whatever um, to yeah, numb a little, it. A little cortisone never killed anybody. But let me ask you yeah. this though. All right. Is it fair to say, given the conversation we just had, that the value of Andrew Luck getting what we would call kind of half live, partially live filmed practice reps against the Cleveland Browns has less value to the Colts than Andrew Luck, one, rehabbing, making sure that he's as healthy as possible when he does play, two, him probably exercising, working out in the weight room, getting walk-through reps, playing indoors, getting uh, timing down with his receivers is more valuable than putting him out there for the media to gobble up 
all that tape that he puts down in practice. Is that fair? Like that's eh, probably not bad. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair because the important thing is that he's getting reps with his wide receivers, and mm-hmm. as has been reported, he's getting that done behind the scenes. And so I'm not as worried about getting him out there and and putting him out in public with the with the Cleveland Browns and, and going about it that way. Now, again, if he if it comes out that you know next week he's not any better and he's not ramping up then yeah, I might get a little worried because now we're going into week three of the preseason and he's not not practicing. Um, now, the, here's the other part of it. Um, training camp, open public training camp ends at the end of the week. So they've already said that he's not going out for it. Um, so he's, he's not going to play in this week's preseason game. He's not going to practice against the Browns. And I think they've only got a handful of days left of, of training camp up at Grand Park. And so... If he does come back, it'll all be within the confines and of the of West 56th Street, yep. and they're not going to have any reporter, like anybody public videotaping. Yeah. So you you're going to be able to keep everything pretty disclosed and close to the vest at that point if if you want. And so you could be right. Like this could be the the ruse all along, where he does have an injury and it's a legitimate injury. Yep. Uh, but they are just being hyper conservative with it and trying to make sure that he is not put in harm's way in any way, shape or form. Yeah, because I, I hate to say this. My armchair GM strategy is along the lines of the Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick regime for the Voldemort of the NFL in their putting their star quarterback, Tom Brady, on the injury report every year for the last 15 years. And then him coming out and tearing you up. And I would argue that Chris Ballard did say the rivalry is back on. And if I see the New England Patriots as a rival, one of the things I sure don't want to do is put public tape down against a good offense or good defense or good a good program in the Browns. I don't want Bill Belichick to get to watch Andrew Luck play live football against the Browns. So I'd say I wouldn't practice them this week at all in public. I wouldn't play them in this week's preseason game. And then I might actually uh, see how Andrew feels about playing next week. Maybe get out there, get a series or two, maybe a play for a quarter, tear it up, and then take a breather and, and show the world that, well, not only was he ready, right? Not only is he capable but man, there was a lot of a lot of hooey coming out of Colts media. Oh, woe is me, Andrew Luck. He keeps getting hurt. He can't stay healthy. Hey, man, it's not all as bad as it seems. In fact, I'd argue it's probably better than it looks. But we we've been beating Can that I drum say for what a I really Go want. Ahead. What I really want for week three, because um, obviously we know he's not going to play this week. Yep. But what I really really want for week three is that. He practices, you know, here and there. Um, they put him out for a series in week three, and he just takes three kneel downs. <laughs> and then just troll everybody. You're like, just go uh, out there. You know, they don't play does. him. They don't start him week three. And the Colts get the ball back with 101 left in the second quarter, and they trot out Andrew Luck and all the starters. And they come out like they're going to run the two-minute drill, mm-hmm. and he just kneels it and walks kneels it down, <laughs> kneels down, walks out. That's uh, the, the ultimate troll job that I ultimate just really, troll. really want. 
them oh, to do to the, the, the Indianapolis media and the NFL and every, national media, everybody. And I want to see Frank Reich and Chris Ballard just high-fiving each other on the sideline like, got him! Just laughing. Just Just laughing. Because, you know, my thing is, it's as we get closer to what uh, I expect to be a shortened preseason in the next year or two, I expect the NFL to move to two to three preseason games, maybe maybe do it in in a transition phase where maybe next year they just do three and then the following year they go down to two – that said, though, for the Colts, their depth is so much better than it has been in the last several years that what is exciting and what is fun to watch is all of the other people. Because it's like we said earlier, we know what Andrew Luck's capable of, how much, how dynamic he is, how much he impacts a football game. And then you take a considerable step back when it's Jacoby Brissett, when it's Chad Kelly, and you got to temper your expectations for the offense. Let's talk about this wide receiver room. It looks like what was pretty bare cupboard last year is, is not so much this year. I mean, we can say with confidence, T.Y. Hilton, Devin Funches, Paris Campbell, and then you're probably keeping, what, six receivers on the roster? Yeah, I think that I feel like as the the year or the training camp goes on and on, I feel like they're going to keep six wide receivers, and I think they're only going to keep three tight ends to start. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ebron, Ebron Doyle, Mo Ali Cox. Yeah, and like we've we've talked about Ross Travis, who hasn't hasn't shown out much, and Hale Hentages, who hasn't really that he's had good plays, and it was surprising the other day when he had like his first drop of training camp, and everybody's yeah. like, wait, what? What happened here? But they haven't really become somebody who you, you look at and you go, I'd rather have this fourth tight end rather than this six wide receiver. Right. And given that Devin Funches is basically just a, you know, a wide receiver in a tight end's body, mm-hmm. it, you can move him over and, and play him in that, that position. Not, not like at the tight end position, because I, I don't imagine he's probably does much in, in way of blocking. Um, yeah. But you could still move him over and he can be a matchup nightmare. Yeah, I, w- I would always compare Devin Funches in this offense to like a Heinz Ward, just a big body, good athlete, mm-hmm. and able to make those those important third down and medium catches that you got to have a guy uh, that you could throw a quick a quick ball to, and he catches it and falls forward, and he's a smart football player, and that's that's what I've heard so far about Devin Funches as his part of this organization and that he knows how to play football really well and he's meshed in this offense really well. And then, so let's talk about wide receivers four through six, potentially in my eyes, I want Kane, I want fountain. And then that really only leaves one spot and that's Pascal. That's Rogers. That's Hogan. That's any number of players who, who are you really thinking fills out the wide receiver room? So it's interesting because uh, today on Stampy Blue, our our co-writer, one of our members of Stampy Blue, put out an article. Carter Donick, uh, one of the new writers there, put out a don- uh, an article about the wide receiver position and, and how really it is kind of loaded this year. Uh, and the, the Colts are in an enviable position. And I would say that the wide receiver position as a whole, you've got your three locks in, in T.Y. Hilton, Devin Funches, Paris Campbell. Mm-hmm. All right, those are those are your three guys that are locked and loaded, definitely going to make the roster. Definitely going to make the roster. 
I think they, you know, as play goes on, you see them keeping Deion Kane and, and Darius Fountain. So, like you said, there's four and five. So you're looking at Chester Rogers, Zach Pascal, Marcus Johnson, you know, Krishan Hogan, uh, Ashton Doolin, Penny Hart, Jordan Vesey, and Roger Lewis as that last wide receiver position. I, for me, I don't – here's the problem. I don't necessarily agree with what I'm about to say <laughs> because I think that the – because this is what I think the team will do. Yeah. I think the team will keep Chester Rogers. Okay. Um, over the other options there. And I think that they will look to potentially trade Zach Pascal and Marcus Johnson. Um, his, as was reported yesterday, teams are starting to sniff around the Colts and see who they might be willing mm-hmm. to trade. I don't think that they're going to make any moves until after week three yep. of the preseason because you don't want to jeopardize the, the health of anybody that, you know, somebody might get injured. And if you've already traded a guy that you would have kept there, you put you in a real bind. Yeah. And so, I think that the Colts, for whatever reason, love Chester Rogers, and he's their primary uh, punt returner, and he's you know, solid there. He, he catches the ball, which is what you want him to do. I still think he makes poor decisions at times on yeah. when he catches it and where he catches it, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's he's pretty reliable there. Um, if it were me, I would probably keep Zach Pascal because I think that he offers more on special teams mm-hmm. than what Chester Rogers does uh, in terms of being well-rounded um pascal is also the uh was the kick returner mm-hmm. and he's listed as the the number one kick returner i believe on the on the depth chart yeah and so i think i would rather have him because i think he's got more upside than yeah. what chester rogers does um and pascal is also a really good route runner i don't know it it was one of those um he doesn't he didn't get a lot of playing time last year or he got more playing time than what we necessarily expected him to. Right. Uh, but the times that you saw him show out were based on his route running. The time that he made the Houston DB just turn around backwards and <laughs> he was just alone in the corner of the end zone and yeah. luck just put a little diamond on him. Yeah. And I just think that he's got more upside than, than Chester Rogers. And, but again, it's one of those things where I think the Colts are going to keep Rogers over Pascal and, I, I'd still be fine with it. It's just yeah. nice to have have an argument there when you're talking about the six wide receiver and they're good yeah. versus like in years past where the wide receiver position was, their cupboard was really bare going yeah. into it. So you're looking at the fifth wide receiver and you're like, all right, I got to keep somebody. So who should I keep? Yeah. Um, in, ter- in terms of like wide receivers you wanted outside of T.Y. Hilton, it has been literally since Reggie Wayne that the Colts have had another wide receiver that I know I want on my team until this year. And now, like just just like you said, I like eight of the Colts wide receivers. There are eight. I like Marcus Johnson and Krishan Hogan on top of the six or seven or seven we just talked about. But like I I think I kind of agree with you that I think the Colts will keep Rodgers and much love to that man. Hey, he's played his little heart out. I, however, also agree with you that I would keep Pascal because I, I also see him blocking. I also see him playing in special teams, and I agree with you. He runs really good routes, and that that versatility is something the Colts are drafting toward. And if you're drafting toward it, you're shaping your roster around that too, Right. And then I agree with you that 
the question I have about Rodgers is his decision-making in special teams. And if I don't have that same question about Pascal and he's a technician and a good blocker, well, then I would keep Pascal because he checks off more boxes. Right? Yeah, and Pascal helps on special teams. Like I said, he's the kick returner, but he's also a gunner. And he plays that position really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I don't think I don't think there's any way you can keep seven wide receivers, but I wish no, you could. No, 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 no. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think that they're probably looking to potentially trade uh, either Pascal or Rogers and Marcus Johnson. I think they're definitely trying to trade Marcus Johnson. And you yeah. could probably get, you know, a six round pick for him, maybe, because um, he's shown the, the problem with Johnson is his injury history. Yep. But he's shown that he can be reliable when he's healthy. Yeah. Um, Rogers is Rogers and Pascal are the same thing. Like you could potentially trade them for you know a, a pick somewhere, um, yeah. and maybe you, maybe you get lucky, you nail it. And but otherwise, it's just it's just such a really cool situation to be in for the Colts to have to cut somebody that's that you consider good um, yeah. at the wide receiver position versus what we've had to deal with in, in recent years. The cup overfloweth, as they say. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's it's an enviable position to be in because really, I'm again, I'm I always tell people I'm a football fan before I was ever a Colts fan, and so when I look at the Colts and I say that we are in an enviable position, I'm saying that having looked at the rest of the league and say there are several teams that I can bring up, one of whom we just played the Bills, the Jets, the Miami Dolphins, all have needs at wide receiver immediately. I'd argue with A.J. Green going down, that's a Bengals need a wide receiver. I'd argue probably the Ravens, possibly the Steelers could use another wide receiver, right? And you can, could just Can keep- I make a comment about the Ravens real quick? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So going into the draft last year, I they as we all know they took uh, Marquise Brown Hollywood Brown in the uh, first round yeah. of the draft yeah. and I threw up red flag after red flag on Marquise Brown because of that Liz Franck injury right. that he had and the Raiders did three medical checks on him still took him in round one I think he was the first wide receiver drafted Great. Um, yeah yeah and I I said. I think this is just not a good decision because that Liz Frank injury makes such a huge difference on a wide receiver and not and being able to cut, get out of breaks, and especially somebody who's small like right. Hollywood Brown was. I think he's like five eight, maybe if I if I remember yeah. right. He's he's a tiny guy, yeah, tiny and he's just diminutive in stature, everything. Um, I think he might be just a little bit shorter than Kyler Murray, um, but no, I've just joked. This yeah, Kyler yeah, Murray's also short. Um, but anyway. So he has gone through the offseason and he has not been really cleared to go full out at practice yet mm-hmm. because of that Liz Franck injury flaring up and causing him some other issues. And I just think that it's more or less me just tooting my own horn where I said, yeah, right. be wary of wide receivers with Liz Franck injuries and especially ones that rely on explosiveness, um, agility, because that's where the pressure is put on the foot is right on that Liz Franck and it's going to either you're going to have soreness and not going to be able to come back or you're going to re-injure it. Um, but yeah, sorry. No, so, no, no. There's hey, a lot every- of teams in the NFL that could need wide receivers yeah. um, coming up. The, the Lions, for instance, are another one. Um, 
you know, Seattle, there's obviously a good working relationship with the, with the Seahawks, um, with the Colts. Uh, yeah. The jets are a team that comes to mind The the offense. I'm not as sure. Cause Preston Williams really is showing out and he was a guy yeah. that had all the talent in the world, but had really bad off field baggage, um, coming out. I want to say Colorado state last year. Um, and so he, he is somebody that is kind of, it's not surprising that he's playing well. Um, but he was also somebody that I would have never taken a, a chance on in the draft because of obviously the off field issues. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of options to trade wide receivers um, that a lot of teams that need quality wide receivers um, that I guess are probably contacting the Colts right now. Cause they, like you said, the cup run is over. Which, which is again, you know, one of the things I was just thinking about while you were, while you were telling us about, the wide receivers and the needs in the NFL and about Marquise Brown, you know what I was thinking? If I were a fan of any other team in the NFL, and I can say this with full confidence, once the starters come off the field, I don't need to watch it anymore. But I don't feel like that about the Indianapolis Colts because, again, the cup runneth over. I sit and watch. I watch that entire game. I've watched that game three times now. And the more I watch it, the more excited I am because even when it was, you know, second second stringers v. second stringers or third v. thirds, I was still watching NFL plays being made, balls caught in traffic, ball um, ab- acrobatic catches out of wide receivers on bad balls. You were watching NFL-caliber plays. Yeah. And it's I not get like it. it has been in the past. In the past, when the starters come off or when the starters don't play, the fans leave. They come in there and get their beer and their hot dog. They finish it. And by that time, Andrew Luck's in the shower already. And I'm thinking, well, hell, I might as well beat the traffic out. But now I don't feel like that. And now it's even more interesting because now we're thinking like, gosh, we could trade him. He's played so well. He's got trade value out of, out of a seventh and eighth wide receiver. You're going to get something for it. Wow, that's this must be what it's like to have a, a real franchise, like to have a real GM. No offense to Bill Polian, have a real GM that knows how to build a team. I remember writing an article, if not this past year, the year prior, where I talked about turnover and about how the teams that win, they don't have a ton of turnover. They they're keeping the great team that they built year to year. And that, for the record, was the Colts, the Patriots, the Steelers um, for the last 20 or so years. They've had relatively low turnover. And then Chris Ballard takes over as GM. And we lose something along the lines of 27 of the 53 starters in the first year to the second. And then by the end of last year, if I remember correctly, there were nine total players on the Colts roster that were here before Chris Ballard. It and then might you, be that little, maybe even less now. It might be even less now because I, of uh, Al Woods, right? Yeah, because Al Woods is gone. Yeah, there's You might have right about nine, ten range that were here before. Yeah. Uh, but it's guys that you probably don't even really expect, you know, like, yeah. you know, the three of the offensive, four of the offensive linemen, Luck, Luck Hilton, Doyle, like nobody on defense. 
Yeah, basically nobody on defense. It's almost Marcus all Hunt, maybe I think Marcus Hunt. might be the only one. And uh, no, and Gaithers, maybe. Yeah. Is that it? Maybe Matthias Farley might mm-hmm. I think was here before too. But yeah, you've got like only a handful of players. It's really tough to really pick out who was here before before Chris Ballard. Right. And so as we kind of wrap it up here today, I want to make sure that we keep saying, hey, friends, if you are a Stampede Blue fan and you like fantasy football and you're a Colts fan, uh, last year and this year, uh, I have run, I've been the commish for free fantasy football leagues. We're going to do half point PPR if you're about that life and you haven't signed up, you can send me an email. My email address for this only, please don't send me marketing, is jared, J-A-R-E-D dot stampedeblue at gmail.com. And if you send me an email and say, hey, tell me where, what time zone you're in when you can't draft, and we're looking, I'm looking to do all these drafts after the 26th. So after week three of the preseason, I'll be ready to start doing fantasy football drafts. And then also because I've got a staff member from Stampede Blue with me. Hey, Stampede Blue staff members, if you listen to this podcast, send me an email. <laughs> Jared.stampedeblue at gmail.com. And let me know if you want to play in a fantasy football league just for the staff. And I'll put that together too. And Stephen, I want to thank you again for your time today. I hope you have a great rest let's talk, of the day. Let's talk real quick. Hold on. Let's do it. Let's, let's talk real before quick we go. about the the game or the the Browns coming up. Like what we're sure, looking sure, forward sure. Let's to. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So what I'm really looking forward to with the Browns and the Colts coming up is the Browns wide receivers versus the Colts DBs. Oh yeah. And seeing uh, Pierre Desir or Rakistine go against OBJ and Jarvis Landry. Um, and seeing really how they, they match up. The other part I'm looking at is the Colt, uh, The trouble is without Andrew Luck in there, you're not going to see a whole lot of action at the wide receiver position. But what I would yeah. like to see is a Colts offensive line versus the Browns pass rush. Yeah. Uh, to fair. see if if they do bring back, if Kelly does play and Costanzo does play, and they really do have that starting offensive line, to see how they match up against them and see how much time they give Brissett. Um that those are my big, big things that I'm really kind of looking for um, this this week is to see you know the Colts defensive backs go up against the the Cleveland Browns wide receivers and then the Colts offensive line going up against the Cleveland defensive line both in practice and in the game coming up this weekend. Yeah, and I I kind of agree on a, on a similar note. I think the Colts stylistically and defensively match up pretty well against this Cleveland Brown offense, my concern would be is can the Colts cover Joku, right? Because if, if you think about Pierre Desir matching up um, on Odell Beckham Jr. And, and winning, you know, let's just presume that. And then let's say Rocky Sin matches up on Jarvis and has relative success. How are the Colts going to be able to cover the tight end Joku? Uh, even, even in short work, it's still something to watch. Uh, and again, like we and said, I- like, go ahead. Going off on that, I think what you're going to see is I'll, I'll be interested to see if they keep a linebacker on him or they drop Quincy Wilson in to cover the tight end mm-hmm. uh, because they've talked about moving him, like being more of a Swiss Army knife kind of corner to moving him outside if they need to, but also having him line up against the tight end. 
So I think Quincy Wilson to see if he goes against Njoku, because that would be a really good matchup. Right. Or, you know, Kyrie Willis, whether that would be somebody that they put in there or they match up one of the linebackers. Like we've said, they've they've really increased the speed of the linebacker position. And so giving that speed and athleticism, it gives them more of an opportunity to cover those athletic tight ends like the David Njoku, who have given the Colts fits over the years. And so I'll be really interested to see who they match up there. And also, I mean, obviously how they do, but just to see where they, they position the different players. Absolutely. I agree with you. And of course it would be interesting to see one of the things I was thinking about here late is changes at the kick and punt returner positions, especially given the comments that we had today, right? Like, you know, man, I'm really been happy with, with Rogers decision-making and Pascal's been a reliable kick returner and a gunner. It'll be kind of interesting to look at that and and see if if what I remember is if I want to remember is correct, they've been trotting out Hines uh, to take reps, uh, which signals to me, especially given our conversation, that there may be a replacement for Rod. Like Rogers could be traded or replaceable. And that'll be interesting to see how that plays out against, again, a, a stout Cleveland Brown team. And I feel like it's the first time I've ever said that in my entire life. And I'm 30 plus. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't been good for a long time. So yeah. having them, yeah. It, and the the kick and punt return position is is interesting because they've trotted a, a bunch of different guys out there. I think with Paris Campbell not practicing right now, yeah, I think they too. might look at, putting him at the kick returner position um, just because he's a game changer if given the opportunity, Um, you know, kind of similar to what they did, um, what Philadelphia did with Deshaun Jackson. Um, I could see them doing that with him for punt and kick returns. Um, Deshaun was mainly for punt returns more so than kick returns. Um, Now that would obviously play into Chester Rogers. The kick return would play into Zach Pascal. Um, you know, they tried Naeem Hines back there last year, and he struggled, so they've moved him off of it. So I'll, I'll be interested to see, just like you said, what they do there at that position because how they play it could give you a general idea of where they value the different wide receivers and who they might be looking to keep and cut. Absolutely. So I didn't mean to, to cut us off there. So if you stuck around after my fantasy football pitch, you got a little extra. Um yeah, and everybody have a good week. Relax. Everything's going to be fine. If if it came down to it, I'm pretty positive I saw uh, we'd run him out there if it mattered. And with that in mind, you got to kind of temper your expectations, be patient, have a little empathy for a newlywed whose wife is pregnant going into a season with a bunch of high expectations. That's That's fair too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like as a as a father myself, uh, yeah, yeah, you got a lot of stuff that that goes on in in both, you know, being married and and having your first first child. It's it's stressful. Absolutely. So hey, everybody, have a great week. Enjoy the games. There's there's a bunch of them, and uh, we'll see you next week.